Welcome to the Jazz Piano School podcast, episode number 100. Wait a second. Triple digits? What? Welcome to the Jazz Piano School podcast. Learn jazz piano without all the guesswork. Now, your host, Brendan Lowe. Welcome to the Jazz Piano School podcast, where we have one mission, that is to help as many interested people around the world learn and improve a jazz piano by providing structured and organized jazz piano education. I'm your host, Brendan Lowe, as always, and thank you so much for joining me. This is a very, very special occasion. I welcome uh, everybody who is listening to this podcast because we have just reached Podcast 100. Yes, Podcast 100. Now, uh, trust me when I say this, uh, it's difficult. They say in the podcasting business, uh, once you break past 10, you know, then you're pretty much in it for life. I didn't really agree with that because I stopped for a long time at 40, right? I got stuck on episode 45. So, uh, I'll tell you this much. It's not past 10. It's past about 50 that, uh, you may have a chance to reach a hundred. And we have fortunately, uh, somehow, you know, through discipline and dedication to providing jazz piano education. So, uh, if you've been a long time listener, or if you're just listening for the first time to episode one hundred, I welcome you and, uh, thank you so much for your support. So, uh, we've been thinking of different things to do for episode 100 and to try and give back and, um, just make this special. And so the thing that we want to do is that we are going to give away a lifetime membership to Jazz Piano School. Now, what does this mean exactly? This means <laughs> that you are going to get everything that we have to offer right now and everything that we're going to develop in the future. You're going to get access to all of it forever, forever. Sandlot, right? Anyone? Sandlot. So that's going to be our first giveaway. Now, again, like this is about uh, I, I can't even tell you just, you know, it's like a $4,000 value. I mean, the main course plus all the products we have, we have a new lab coming out six that we have a 600 video main course. If you're not a member of jazz piano school, you probably don't know any of this. Or if this is a first time listening, jazz piano school is very robust and we're growing every single day. I mean, it's getting bigger and bigger and we got a lot of new things coming out products. And my goal, my passion for jazz piano has just led me to put everything I have, uh, in my body, my passion, my, you know, sweat and tears just into jazz piano school, making it the best possible jazz piano learning, not even a program, just a, just a lifestyle, right? Jazz piano school is a lifestyle. It's not just a learn piano program, right? You just buy the software, right? It's a community. It's a lifestyle. It's a, you know, it's just, it's about happiness and creating that joy in jazz piano that comes through your life, through learning, through education, about helping others. I mean, it's so much more than just learning how to play jazz piano. And as we bring on new guests, as we bring on new educators and uh, great educators to do our master class. So we build this new lab. I mean, it, it really is a whole world of jazz piano education. So that lifetime, I mean, that thing is priceless. If I had that when I was younger, oh my goodness, I'd be like in heaven, right? I, would, I could die a happy man. And that lifetime education of jazz piano, it's just like incredible. So that's the first thing that we're giving away. The second thing we're going to give away is a slightly, <clears throat> um, I don't know how to say this, 
uh, a lesser tier membership. And that's going to be to our new lab that we are opening up. The lab is going to be a compilation of mini courses, right? And they're going to be called upgrade formulas. These upgrade formulas are exact scientific kind of formulas to instantly upgrade certain areas of your jazz piano uh, playing, right? Your skills, comping, improv, but much more specific that than that, right? Uh, we're going to have a two-hand voicing building system. Uh, we're going to have implementation of uh, extensions, right? How to learn um, our four, or excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, our eleven-step jazz standard checklist, bebop boot camp, uh, the bebop equation. I mean, we have all these uh, really precise uh, upgrade formulas that are going to really just boost, you know. Um, and upgrade your skills to these specific areas that you want to pick, right? And I realized after, uh, you know, marketing and and talking about the main course and having members and listening to feedback for a, about a year now, because we just, um, we launched the advanced portion of it about last year, I think. Um, I realized it was just very overwhelming. It's very big, right? And a lot of people um, didn't have the time or discipline to kind of move through it systematically. Now, is it for a lot of people? Yes, absolutely. And it can accompany the lab, which is going to be a great thing, but it's going to be more of an add-on now. The lab's going to be our main um, subscription members area that's going to come with a lot of things. Um, uh, monthly gig analysis from some, wow, can't talk there. Well, I don't even know what that was. Sorry. I'm just so excited. <laughs> But one of our uh, trained members, he's going to film his gigs in New York. He's going to, uh, he's at Manhattan. He's doing a lot of great things, playing a lot of, uh, playing at Lincoln Center and with different, he's going to be, he's going to be playing with Joe Lovano. So we're, he's going to be analyzing these gigs that he's playing and it's amazing. He's working for Jazz Piano School. I'm in Sacramento, obviously I'm not in New York anymore, but uh, so we have just so many great things going on. So the, the lab uh, is going to be the, the, that kind of membership is going, we're going to be giving that away for free as well. Now, how do you get these things? You may be wondering about this. Well, how do you enter, right? It's going to be, uh, essentially, uh, a random, uh, review pick on iTunes. So if you want to enter all you want, all you need to do is simply <laughs> give a nice review to us on the podcast in iTunes, rank it five stars, write your name, give a nice review. Uh, and then we will enter you into the contest to win one of those two memberships, right? So again, if two people enter, then two people are going to win. Okay. So, I mean, not, obviously this podcast is very niche specific. We don't get tens of thousands of downloads. I say, I would say we get a couple thousand downloads, you know, again, the YouTube channel that um, people watch this on, isn't that, uh, you know, we, we have about 10,000 subscribers or so. So, uh, we, it's not that, that humongous. Like if we were talking about, I don't know, cars or something or like Harry Potter, right? Some of those other podcasts just have like hundreds of thousands of downloads. So there may be 10 people, there may be 100 people, there may be 200 people. I definitely don't think we're going to get 200 reviews. So uh, you have a very good chance of winning if you're listening to this. And we're going to go from the start, uh, the release of the podcast. Um, I'm filming this a little bit before in the week. Um, so when we release the podcast on Friday, we're going to collect all the reviews, the five-star reviews and the names of people who write their reviews in all the way up to the uh, next Friday, okay? And on that next Friday, I will release the winner of the two memberships. So again, there may be 10 people. You could have a, uh, a very good chance, right, of winning. If there's 10 entries, 10 reviews, you're going to be one person that could win two of those memberships. So 
Very, very good uh, thing. We will include the link to uh, open the podcast in iTunes to uh, review, right? Review the podcast. Obviously, you want to say something nice, you know? And again, the reason for this, uh, for the review thing, we want to make it easy for you to enter to win the membership. And the great thing about leaving reviews and five stars is that it helps spread jazz education. I mean, as much as I love seeing the reviews, like that's, that's awesome. It's great for me, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's more of a status quo thing, right? It's not like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't like you, I don't, I don't really know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just like kind of cool to say there are a lot of, you know, people that like the podcast, right? And right now we have 69 stars. I'd like to get up to 100. My goal is to get up to 100 reviews before we get to, we got to 100, um, you know, uh, the 100th podcast. Maybe if we get, you know, 31 reviews, we'll get there. <laughs> that would be cool if we got 31 entries, you know, we'd get to 100 five-star ratings with, um, with, with reviews. So that would be cool too. But again, it's more so to spread the podcast, like the more reviews and the more, uh, five-star, uh, reviews that we get, the more people know about it, the more popular it is on iTunes. So you're actually helping others to find this resource of <clears throat> jazz piano education and help them learn from it. And again, you're just spreading the knowledge. It's a really kind and generous thing to do. I mean, to help others find jazz piano school, because we're all in the same spot. I was in the same spot. I'm still in the same spot. We're all students. We're all students of the love of jazz piano, right? I, I, I still love learning about jazz piano. I'm, I'm always eager to know and get better and ask people who are better than me questions like, by no, by no means am I done learning. So um, I love spreading education. When people spread education to me, I love it as well. So that is the beginning of uh, this episode. Again, we're at episode 100. Now you can get the practice exercises to this episode at the same URL that you can always can, jazzpianoschool.com forward slash podcast 100. Now in this episode, we're going to be going over uh, Keith Jarrett's Someone to Watch Over Me. I thought I'd slow it down. And I'll be going over the first two uh, A sections to someone to watch over me and slow it down and talk about his, uh, you know, his intricate little movements. You know, we're going to get to look at something slow. It's not going to be fast anymore because even the slow stuff is hard, right? With all these little, little tiny movements that he's doing. So before you, uh, I'd recommend going to get the materials, right? Uh, jazzpianoschool.com forward slash podcast 100 because it will really help obviously with the past couple you can uh, listen to the podcast listen to my analysis work through the transcription as well and kind of follow along okay so uh, with that being said let's dive right in so here we go this is someone to watch over me and again uh, Keith kind of starts out we're on a first ba- first name basis me and Keith <laughs> we're not really I'm just joking, but Keith Jarrett starts out by playing, right, this E-flat chord. So he's playing an E-flat. I'm going to raise the volume here just a little bit. So he doesn't even play a seventh chord. He's playing a major triad with a nine. Like, listen to the sound. It's beautiful. And a lot of the times, like, Brad will do this. And some of the more simpler stuff that sounds pretty, it sounds more like classical because there's less seventh chords, actually. And this is what he uses to start the podcast off with. Just a very simple triad, bass note in the left hand, and three and five and nine in his right hand, okay? After he plays that, he moves to the melody in his right hand. On the third note of the melody, he actually hits a 
whole step together. You'll see this a lot and it's a really fun thing to do. I need to definitely add this in. I love these whole steps because they add, again, he does it here, obviously, adding the night in right next to the third. So he has his E flat dominant seventh chord now, right? He has the third up here in the melody and he adds the nine and he leaves it out of his left hand. He continues with the melody. Now the nice thing here is he moves his left hand, the five and the seven, to some extensions over that E flat seventh chord. Now he actually drops the seventh. So he has this, he's essentially playing a C major triad over an E flat bass note. Right, so he's still getting the essence of E flat. He doesn't, we don't have the seventh in it anymore. We basically have an E flat six. You could call it an E flat six chord because of the C on top, flat nine and three, right? There's no five though. Uh, or you could really think about this as just C major over E flat. And this E flat always wants to resolve down to A flat, so it works either way. Plays the melody note and then finally lands on his A flat chord, right? A flat major seven chord we have here. So notice that he doesn't get a low end bass note in here. He's actually playing a triad in his left hand, which is really cool. He has the major seven here, one, three, five, major seven. Right, so he's in, again, no bass note down here or anything. Melody's up here. He has a little, you're gonna see so much left hand motion, motion everywhere, motion and movement. So he goes like this. So he basically is just pivoting on that five. The right hand moves up at the same time. Right, so he kind of doubles that note. And then he continues with the melody down to here. Oops, sorry. Now this right here, okay, is essentially a D sus chord. Now we've included, there's a lot of substitutions or, uh, you know, kind of different ways you can approach someone to watch over me. We've included the original chords. I'm not going to talk about those because you can kind of see what the original chords are uh, on our transcription. I'm just going to talk about what he's doing. So here, he's going to a D sus, right? We have one, four, seven. So he's created his D sus. And look at how he's voicing that essentially like this. Right, one and four. Now the reason for this is because he's gonna use these fingers for movements. He has the seven here, right? Five and the melody. Now what he does here is resolve it, which is a very standard thing. He moves off that, goes to a G7, excuse me. Now look how he's creating movement. He has the octave here, the nine on top, the three on the bottom and he resolves these top two notes just like that, okay? Here's from the A-flat chord. Right, see that? So that's those are some of the movements that he's gonna use. And again, from the beginning here, sorry, my, my laptop's being super loud. It's kind of distracting me, <laughs> but here we go, I'll focus. Whole step, right, E-flat seven. C over E flat. Finally, he goes and again, he resolves here. Another sus chord, C sus, and then resolves down to more or less a C minor. So he's resolving his C uh, sus chord to a C minor. This makes it more of a C 11, C minor 11 here. Moves up to the melody. Octave, 
Now here, left hand has a ninth. You see that? One and nine. His right hand has the melody here. He has the major seven and the 13 here. So the melody note is the third. He doesn't need the third in there at all because the melody is the third here. Right? So he has this. Again, he does this little pivot. So you're going to see that a lot, right? You see chord, five, one. That's what he did on the A-flat chord, uh, chord in the second measure. Chord, five, one. Right? Chord, five, one. A very cool thing to do. It, it adds more motion in. Now what he does is he adds the, essentially this D here, right? So basically he's adding the sharp 11 on the bottom at the end, like on beat four. It's a really cool thing because he's kind of doing it later, right? Adding it in later, that sharp 11 there, uh, over the A flat major seven. So he doesn't play the, he doesn't, he could play it like this, right? Just harmonize the whole chord, but he breaks it up. Okay, this falls into this. Okay, so again, we have a G, more of a G minor here. He's playing one and three. This five up here, he adds the third in. Excuse me, the seven here, he adds the five in here and then moves to this. Okay, and I think he actually, he's playing, right, this with his left hand. His right hand is playing the thumb here. So he's got this. That's a really interesting voicing, right? So we have seven we got essentially the shells on the bass note that's what we need right he adds the five in and then elects to play one four or the 11 and the five again so again that's just kind of an improvised little thing there he moves to the melody here another sus chord right c sus here now look how he's voicing it one five seven he puts the four in his left hand then what he does is resolve it, okay, into his left hand here with the third and the sharp nine. See that? So you could do it like this, but he essentially starts with the five here, puts the four down here. Just like that and resolves the sharp nine to the natural third. Nice little resolution there. Hits the F minor seven, does his little trick again. So he has one and three. This time he's pivoting to the five, but goes back to the three. Essentially the same concept. So you see him doing this all over the place, right? On beat one, he's going one and two. One and two. He did it on the A flat, a flat major chord. One and two. Uh, where was the other spot? One and two, right? He hit that ninth, five, one. Doing that all over the place. One and two. Right? So then he's just continuing up the melody here. This is a very pretty chord. Check this out. One, five, nine, three, five, one. Now essentially, this is like an A flat major triad, but because of the ninth on the bottom and the five. Again, this whole step rub is really pretty. It creates just such a beautiful voicing. It also keeps this B flat on top in his left hand, right? Again, he has the ninth on the bottom. He loves those ninths on the bottom. That's a very big takeaway. B flat sus chord here, right? Four, seven, four. B flat in the bass. And then he has a little movement here. 
So he resolves to an E flat, right? Major seven, five, seven, one, three. Does his, again, his one and two. He does it almost like all over the place, right? One and two. Here he goes one, five, three, right? Before he did this, the 10th, five, three. This time he just, he broke it up in all single notes. One, five, three. So before he was playing two notes on beat one, right? One, five, three. Now he just did two one, single notes. One, so this, one, five, right? Right, going to this A flat, B, excuse me, B flat sus. Now let's check this out, right? His, eight, his left hand has this. So basically he's, he's, he's taking, he breaks up his left hand chords a lot to create motion, right? To create motion in his hand and voicing movement. He's just, instead of just playing one chord, he could just play this. That would be pretty, but he breaks it up. Now the bass note is held the entire time, so he gets that rich low end sound of the bass note uh, underlying the palette to his harmonies, right? Uh, sorry, let me, let me see. And again, he hits a final voicing here, one, four, seven, nine, five, resolves. Right, this six, so the 13 resolves down to the five really nicely. And then we're finally, we're back at the top again. Okay, you see that there? So let me play that through. Probably, obviously not like Keith Jarrett, but. Whoops, I already made a mistake. So a couple mistakes in there, sorry about that. But again, with these movements, there's so many tied notes and held notes, it's it's difficult because, you know, he's, again, he's holding some notes so that the sound kind of uh, moves into the next chord. It's much more classically driven than any sort of kind of, I mean, it's brilliant, right? It's brilliant the way he's holding notes down, you know, so that that sound or that note is actually being used for two different purposes just by holding it, even though he's not replaying the note. It's a really, really cool concept. So here we are at uh, the second A, okay? Again, just outlines his E flat, one, five, right? Uses the same, right? Five and seven going to the, uh, I guess if you wanna call it again, C major over E flat kind of uh, sort of transition there. This time he goes down to an A natural. So he doesn't hit an A flat chord, right? He's essentially hitting this A natural down here. Goes up to this, this F here, which is really cool. So essentially he's probably thinking more like more or less an F over an A, but he doesn't have a third in there. So 
He just has one five one with the nine, so this, right? Now here, he has more of a less a B flat seven over A flat, okay? But then he adds this in. Love this. I absolutely love this in. So he has this B flat seven chord over A flat, okay? So again, this is kind of giving giving uh, like you know an A flat sharp eleven sound. There's no third in here. There's no fifth. So I don't. You can kind of analyze it two ways. I I would kind of call this more or less a B flat seven over A flat, right? Because we don't have the three or the five of the A flat triad. But then he adds the seven in, right? So at that point, when he adds the seven. It's more or less an A flat seven chord, and he has the sharp eleven. So what he's essentially doing is he's playing an A flat seven, right? He's going from F over A to A flat seven, but he just breaks it up. So he hits the chord in his right hand, and then hits the seven. So ultimately, I would call that uh, basically an A flat seven sharp eleven, and he jumps up to here and adds in these extra harmonies up here, which sounds really nice. So he adds in the nine, the three, the five. So he adds in the missing. Tones that we didn't have before, right? There's no three and five yet, and he adds in the <laughs> the seven, and then the three and five plus the uh, nine, right? Just a really, really beautiful thing, right? Now here, okay, G on the bottom, five, seven, nine. Again, no third. Going up to the melody. So this is again kind of like a again G, G minor for the most part, but there's no third. But then he kind of switches it to an E flat over G flat, right? So now it's G flat. Uh, excuse me, E flat over G. G. Again, this is really cool. Here he goes more to an A minor seven, right? A minor seven. D7, so he has one, three, one, three, sharp 11, resolves to the five. So he actually doubles one and three in both hands. You don't often see that. Back to G minor, right? So it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing because he kind of has G minor there. Back to G minor again. Right? So now we really have a G minor. One, three, five, seven, nine. Again, breaking it up. So he's not playing one, seven, three all at once. He's playing one, three, then adds a seven in. Right? So then he kind of adds the melody up here. This is a really nice harmony here. Right? So this. Basically, we have an A minor six chord with the 11. And then it could be kind of a seven here if you if you think about that as a seven. So here's the G minor going to that G. It sounds you know sounds a little kind of funky there, but it's again it's all about the movement. Back to the C sus resolution here. Finally to the F minor. Back to the F minor, one and three, breaking it up again, right? One and three, five, 
and then instead of just hitting the three again, he adds in the root there. So it's, it's similar to the same thing he always does, but he just adds in the root. And then again, he loves this one, nine, three, five, one. So that kind of, uh, you know, ends right there and then he continues on into the bridge. So again, the takeaways here, I mean, there's so many things going on. Let me just walk through it again. So starts with that chord, the really nice E flat triad with a nine, right? Again, moving from the E flat seven to C major over E flat, right? Kind of the A flat major seven with the triad in his left hand, seven in his right hand. And again, he adds in the movements in. Again, resolving his D sus. G7 flat nine, right? There's our flat nine on top. Resolving to that G7 there. Starts with an octave, which is really nice. So you can have movement in both hands. Again, uh, sus chord, resolving to the minor. So C sus to C minor. You don't always have to resolve your C sus to C, uh, C7, right? You can resolve to the minor. That's, that's a cool thing to do. I actually don't do that that often. Okay, going to his A flats. Uh, Major seven, sharp 11, right? Because he adds the 11 in later, but again here, one and nine. Adds the sharpen later after he hits with the root, right? Again, G minor. Melody. Sus, C7, sus in the left hand. Sharp nine, resolution. Right? And again here. Okay. Some movement. Again, movement is left hand. One and two. Again, this is a B flat sus, right? Resolving down to the third. And then finally, it's cool how he chooses to keep this keep that the top leading note there. I like that a lot from the resolution before. Here's our F over A, right? Here's our A flat seven. Okay. But he doesn't have the seven in there yet. He adds all the shells in afterwards. Okay. Well, he has the seven in his left hand, I guess. He just doesn't have it down low, right? But he doesn't have the third or the five, right? So kind of, he breaks it up here, right? This is essentially what he's meaning to do, right? He's using a one, seven, three voicing, right? One, seven, 10, essentially voicing, but he adds the nine in which is really nice. And he breaks it up and then adds the five here and the seven again, doubles the seven. All right. So again, here kind of G minor E flat over G he switches to. Okay, your A7 going to D7, sharp 11, resolution. G minor again. Here's your A6, right? A minor 6. So here's your 3, 11. I mean, you can think about this more or less as D7 over A too. Kind of the same thing because he does add in this G here, which kind of gives it an A minor 7 feel. I mean, that's kind of a strange area there. Here's your C sus, resolution. F minor, 
there's this patent, you know, uh, one and two kind of thing he loves to do in his left hand on beat one. One and two. Sorry. And then here's your F minor. B flat sus, resolution, and then E flat triad with a nine. So extremely, extremely beautiful, someone to watch over me. I mean, again, with all the ties and movements of the voicings, it's just goes to show like the incredible brilliance and genius and just, you know, knowledge of voice, inner voicing movements. Um, Again, the takeaways here are going to be that you don't have to get the entire chord in on beat one. <laughs> uh, Keith is definitely definitely doing that, um, breaking up lots of things, right? Uh, so he'll he'll play maybe the three one seven, right? Or he's doing the uh, ninths. He's using like a lot of ninths, right? A lot of ninths, adding in the shells, adding in the extensions later. So everything can be broken up and kind of, you know, divvied amongst the measure with the melody. I mean, is that easy? No, but, (laughs) you know, you can kind of think about that and it can propel you into different types of journeys. Lots of sus resolutions, right? Not just to the minor. I mean, not not just to the dominant, to the minor, right? He has those resolutions. Um, Triads over bass notes, right? You know, he had the C over B flat. He had the F over the A. Okay, lots of triads. Uh, Don't just think seven chords. You can still think triads over certain bass notes or just playing the triads. And uh, again, lots of ninths in his left hand. Lots of ninths, lots of tenths, right? Lots of one, seven, three, and lots of one, seven, three, and nine. Okay, one, seven, three. He'll roll those, right? And again, he'll play the... He'll break up his left hand, use his left hand with different movements as his right hand is shifting as well. So a lot of amazing takeaways in this really slow ballad of someone to watch over me from uh, Keith Jarrett. So again, go to iTunes, review the podcast, uh, leave uh, obviously a written review so we know your name. That's the only way you'll get entered. If you just click five stars, you won't be entered because we won't know your name. So write your name in, leave a review, five-star review, and we'll enter you into to win one of the two memberships that we're going to be giving away. I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'll see you in podcast 101. We are in the triple digits, but we're not stopping. We're still going, okay? Because we're dedicated and jazz piano school is, uh, it's never going to end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, we are heard, we are here to serve jazz piano education, uh, you know, as as long as we can, and we love doing it. So, thank you for all your support and helping us reach podcast 100. And I'll talk to you soon. Happy practicing.